0: Well, before we get started, if you guys want to turn to Titus 2, we'll be in Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. Well, tonight, we're going to focus on the second statement in our church covenant, which says this, we will seek to please God by resisting sin and pursuing holiness. We will seek to please God by resisting sin and pursuing holiness. Well, maybe some of you are here tonight feeling defeated by sin, and you're tired of fighting. You don't feel like you have what it takes, and you want to give up. You've tried and tried, but you haven't been able to experience victory. Maybe some of you are feeling the opposite, that by God's grace, he's given you strength lately to resist sin and to pursue him, and that you're keenly aware of your daily need for his grace in this battle. Maybe some of you honestly haven't thought much about sin in general lately. You've been busy, you've been going through the motions, and you haven't had time to really let God's word expose what's in your heart. If I asked you tonight what you were struggling with, you might not be able to really give me an answer. And lastly, maybe some of you are here tonight feeling alone in your walk with Jesus. You don't feel connected to other members, and as a result, you haven't had the chance to really open up with other people with what's going on. You want to fight sin, but you feel stuck and you feel alone. Well, wherever you are at tonight, there is grace. There's tremendous grace from our merciful, from our kind, from our patient, and infinitely strong God and Savior Jesus Christ. And there's good news. The good news is that resisting sin and pursuing holiness starts with and ends with grace. This is not about being better. It's about the truth of the gospel, the power of the gospel, and ultimately the glory of God. So let's turn to our passage now. Titus 2, 11 through 14, says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us, from all all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Resisting sin and pursuing holiness starts with grace. God is completely sovereign in salvation. He alone calls, justifies, and sanctifies. Verse 11 says that the grace of God appeared bringing salvation. And then verse 14 goes on to say that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us. None of us were right before God. We were dead in our sin and fully deserving of punishment. But God in his magnificent grace sent Jesus to live the life we couldn't live, die the death that we deserve, and resurrect in glorious victory. God purchased our salvation through the precious blood of Jesus. Grace bought us with a price. But it doesn't just start with grace. Resisting sin and pursuing holiness ends with grace. Look at verse 13. We now wait for the Lord Jesus' return. This is a sure and final thing. Jesus is coming back to gather his people forever. We will worship him and we will be with him for all eternity. Marveling day after day of his infinite grace. And this future grace should give us happy, patient hope in the present age. So it starts with grace, it ends with grace, and it's empowered by grace. And this is good news, because as our passage tells us, it says we live in the present age. This age is still filled with sin and Satan's powerful and crafty schemes. We live in a world that is screaming at us and pushing at us to go back to our old ways, to our old sinful ways that only lead to death. Technology and entertainment, vie for our constant attention, and often draw us to gaze at anything but God. The prevailing ideologies of today consume discussions around us. The message of do what's right for you or make your own truth tempt us to think that they might bring us freedom. And this list goes on and on. Satan is active in our world and would love for nothing more than to make God's people stumble in sin and try to re-enslave them to it. He hates God, he hates God's people, and he wants to destroy them both. But God, though we live in the present age, tainted by sin and Satan, he has given us great help and he's given us great hope in this fight against sin. Verse 12 says the grace of God trains us. Everyone born again by grace is then trained by grace to live the new life that God calls them to. God's grace trains and empowers us in many ways. Think of a few. He's given us his spirit, our comforter, our helper, our intercessor. God indwells his people each day, giving us the strength day by day to behold Jesus by faith. He's given us his word, his perfect word that is sufficient food for our souls each and every day, pulling our minds and hearts upward towards heaven and towards the glory of God. He's given us his covenant community. Notice the phrases repeated in this passage, us us are a people for himself. The command to resist sin and pursue holiness is not an individual act. It is a community commitment. God has given you a church family to encourage, to strengthen, to be encouraged, to be strengthened by. And he's given us the promise of his return. The Lord Jesus will return to gather his people, fully and finally destroy sin and Satan forever, and then we get to be with him in perfect joy for all eternity. Renouncing sin and pursuing holiness is not simply a list of do's and don'ts. It's about the glory of God. Jesus Christ has purchased the people for himself through his blood shed on the cross. And in response to this very great and precious gift, the forgiveness of our sin, the reconciliation we have with God, how could we not joyfully live for his glory? How could we continue doing the same things that put Jesus on the cross? Well, living for his glory necessitates holiness as Christ was holy. So resisting sin and pursuing holiness starts with, is empowered by, and ends with grace. It was God alone who bought your salvation, and it's only by his grace now empowering us through his spirit, his word, his people, and the promise of his return. What good news for us tonight from a gracious Savior. Well, living for Christ in this present age has two elements— putting off the old self and instead putting on Christ, renouncing ungodliness and putting on holiness. Let's first look at renouncing ungodliness. Paul calls us here to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Ungodliness, which is really actions and characteristics that aren't in line with our perfect and holy God. And worldly passions, which scripture defines as the lust of the eyes, the desires of the flesh, and the, passions for, the passion for something other than God, To satisfy us, renouncing ungodliness and worldly passions requires that you actually know what is ungodly in you and what worldly passions tempt you. And the only way to know this is by consuming the Word of God, letting the Word of God sift, expose, and encourage. When when you're sick, you go to the doctor for examination and diagnosis. If instead you go to a mechanic, it's going to be of absolutely no use. So here's a question for all of us tonight. Are we consuming more of the world or more of the word? Are you consuming more of the world or are you consuming more of the word? If you're not actively running to the word, the world is influencing and shaping you more than you think. We need God's word to expose and sift our hearts, our emotions, our motivations. Our hearts are deceitful. We need God's word constantly pointing us back. God's word is sharper than any double-edged sword, and it's able to pierce through and expose the ungodliness and worldly passions within us. The word exposes ungodliness, whether it's impatience, grumbling, immorality, pride, lying, stealing. It exposes worldly passions, greed, lust, the pursuit of power and glory. But God's word doesn't just expose, it lifts our eyes to Christ To see his perfection, to meditate on the gospel, and meditate on his return. And as the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the good news for us tonight is that we can consume the word in many different ways. There's no one-size-fits-all way to read the Bible and know God's word. You don't have to get up at 5 a.m. every morning and have a perfectly quiet, productive time. If you do, praise God. That's amazing. But there are other ways to actively consume the word. Read with other brothers and sisters. Find a weekly time, gather with some brothers and sisters in the church, and just read through books of the Bible. Come, through, come to Bible time. Maybe listen to the Word on your commute. Just listen to God's Word. Hear God's Word instead of listening to potentially other music. At the dinner table, read a psalm and discuss it with your, um, yeah, your family members or your roommates. Take advantage of five-minute breaks. If you're waiting in line, and this is particularly for me, but if you're waiting in line or you're waiting for an appointment and you're just endlessly scrolling through social media or email to kill time, open the Bible app and read the Word. Five minutes of God's Word is infinitely greater than five minutes of endless distraction. Well, as the Word exposes our ungodliness and worldly passions, we must then actively fight and kill sin in community. So when the word exposes, we need to confess, we need to turn to the Lord, repent of our sin, and trust in his free gift of grace. And then we really need to invite accountability. We need one another. The modern thought that it's just Jesus and me or my faith is is personal is unbiblical and unwise. The entire New Testament affirms and commands believers to be part of a church, God's covenant community, and live together by faith. There's no Christian who can be isolated from God's people and still grow in grace. The fight is hard and we need encouragement. We need others to remind us and challenge us to keep fighting, to keep turning to Jesus when we don't feel it, to keep running the race when we, when we least want to. We're too weak and the fight is too hard to do it on our own. Additionally, others are often able to see sin in us quicker uh, than we see it in ourselves. I know this is true for me. My wife sees it much quicker than I often see it. So we need to not be afraid to call out sin and help a brother or sister fight it. Listen to James 5 19 through 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. We need one another to point out sin in us, and it's a gift of grace when that happens. It might sting and it will sting, but it is a gift from God to you. Well, if you don't have anyone checking in with you weekly, if not daily, asking how you're doing, how you're fighting sin, how they can pray for you, wait no longer. Turn to a brother or sister tonight and grab coffee tomorrow and start encouraging one another. Start holding one another accountable. And there's no secret sauce to accountability. It's simply showing up asking questions, and pointing one another to the word, pointing one another to Jesus, praying for one another. But we need to be consistent, we need to be intentional, and it will require boldness from each of us. If you're having a hard time finding this type of community, talk to one of the other members or one of the elders, and we'd be glad to help you find other people to walk alongside. Well, not only do we need accountability, but we also need to get rid of anything that is tempting or distracting. We must literally cut it off and destroy that temptation. Maybe it's TV for you, or there's certain apps on your phone that need to go away with. Maybe it's money you have struggled with being generous. None of these things, none of, no sin is worth it. Jesus is the only one who is worth it. Well, we need accountability, we need to cut off that which kills, and we need to pray. We must be people who are quick to the Lord asking for his help. And it's only by grace that we will have victory. And God is the giver of all grace. Turn to your Savior, because he loves when his children come to him. He loves when his children come to him tired, weary, and in need of his help. Don't let the enemy keep you in shame. Turn to your Savior. He is willing and ready and promises to help you. I think it's also important for us tonight to be sober-minded in the battle against sin. We're not going to leave this room tonight and perfectly obey Christ. We will fail. We will keep struggling with sin until the Lord Jesus returns or takes us home. Now, that doesn't give us grounds for complacency, as Paul clearly identifies. Go read Romans 6 tonight. We are to continue counting ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. But there's good news. The good news is that Jesus died for your future sin as well. And God is actually glorified when when we keep repenting. He produces fruit from that. So when you fail, when I fail, we must be quick to confess to God and one another. And in this, God will not only forgive, but he will produce fruit. And confessing to one another actually reminds, us, uh, reminds one another of the gospel. It's a great way to continually remind one another of the gospel. So if you confess a sin uh, to a brother or sister, they should be quick to just remind you of the hope that we have in Jesus. And it's a great, uh, uh, helps us regaze our, our thoughts and our minds. Well, even in our future failure, his grace is that much greater First John 1.9 says this, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hold on to that promise. Rejoice in that truth. Well, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, we must be people who consume the word more than the world, actively confess and cut off temptation, and invite accountability from God's people. And by his grace, he will bring about victory for his glory and for your good. Now we're going to spend a few minutes thinking about our second part of the statement pursuing holiness. Or said another way, putting on Christ and living as he would. It's really two sides of the same coin. Put off, put on. Put off, put on. God's grace doesn't just train us to renounce, but it also trains us to live. To live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives is an active, disciplined community effort empowered by God's grace. Just think about the fruit of the Spirit for the moment. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Think about some other commands God gives his people to be generous, to forgive one another, to bear with one another, to work uh, in all ways for his glory. All of these godly, righteous actions are literally impossible to do in human strength. And I know this all too well. I cannot produce patience in myself towards my two-year-old son. I can't produce generosity in myself towards a brother or sister who needs it. I can't forgive a brother in my own strength who wronged me. The fruit of the Spirit and all the other commands God gives are only things he himself can do. Only God can produce these things in us. But it starts, is empowered by, and ends with grace. And this should be freeing for each of us. We can't do it, but God can. You no longer have to fight sin and be holy on your own strength. God's power will strengthen you and will equip you to do so. To do so. So I really just want to simply offer a few reflections on living in step with the Spirit. Because after all, only the Spirit of God will produce in us self-control, uprightness, and godliness. Living in step with the Spirit requires active rejoicing and mind-renewing. Each day, we should be reflecting on the gospel, if not each hour. We should be thinking that God has forgiven us in Christ, that He's adopted us as His sons and daughters. That there's nothing uh, that can separate us from His lot, from His love, as Romans 12 says. We need to renew our mind, renew our mind with happy hope, thinking about the Lord Jesus's return and how that should affect us now. Living in step with the Spirit requires prayer without ceasing. We need to be people who quickly acknowledge our weakness and rejoice that He is strong. He promises to help. He promises to provide a way out for anybody experiencing temptation. If you're feeling impatient towards a colleague, just stop right there in that meeting and ask for God's help. Struggling to have self control with something, stop and ask for God's help. Struggling to let go of the resources that God has given you to bless others, ask God to make you generous. He loves to answer these prayers. And you will see and experience more of him as you, as you ask. And then lastly, living in step with the Spirit necessitates living in community. God has established his church, his bride, and he has knit you into it. And if you're a member of Delray Baptist tonight, you have 440 or so other people who have covenanted themselves to you to help you in your walk with Jesus and for you to help them in their walk with Jesus. Praise God that we get to do this together. This is a heavy battle, a heavy fight, but we get to do this work together. And all the one another commands require us to actually be with one another and to one another, one another. Now I want to pause for a moment and address anyone in this room tonight who wouldn't call themselves a Christ follower. I hope you've you've heard how freeing the gospel of Jesus is. The God of the Bible not only rescues his people from their sin through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus, in their place, But he also empowers them by grace to live the new life that he calls them to. Jesus didn't die for a people who were better than anyone else. He died for a people dead in their sin who needed a savior. And he died for a people who would still betray and sin against him even after he saves them. But his patience and his kindness and mercy are unfathomable and unworldly. Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts that might get you into heaven if you're good enough. It's the message of God's grace toward anyone who would repent of their sin and trust in Jesus for their salvation. Tonight, you can have your sins forgiven and have God's Spirit given to you to live a new life of joy following him. Renouncing ungodliness and living as Christ would is a joy. God knows what's best for us. And so this isn't a weighty list. It's a joy uh, to follow him. So turn to him tonight, confess your sin, and trust that Jesus alone died in your place. Well, to conclude us, resisting sin starts with, is empowered by, and ends with grace. Just think of how freeing that is. It's his grace alone that will help us in this fight. God has not left us alone in this fight against sin and Satan. Praise God that he gives us his spirit, his word, his people, and his promised return. So in this present age, which will always tempt you away from God, uh, renounce ungodliness, consume the word, invite accountability, and pray and confess. And instead, put on Christ by living in step with the Spirit. Rejoice in happy hope, waiting for his return. Pray without ceasing and continue pursuing community. And by God's grace alone, may he make us a people who display the work of grace as we actively fight sin and pursue holiness. May he do this for his glory alone and for the spread of his fame in all the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, uh, God, you are strong. You are the one who is able to, by grace, help us live the life that you've called us to. God, we thank you for your word which exposes that which brings death in us and points us to a great and merciful Savior who laid down his life. Father, we need your help. We come to you in weakness as we approach another week that will be filled with many temptations and situations that will beckon our hearts away from you. But we, God, we, we ask that you would help us. We, we ask that you would help us treasure your word, that we would hide our, your word in our hearts, God, that you would help us be quick to confess to you and to one another. God, for anybody in this room that needs a brother or sister to walk alongside, might you, might you make that happen. Might you bring that connection. God, do this for your glory in Alexandria and to the ends of the earth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.